This episode is sponsored by Balanced Bridge. Balanced Bridge has been providing cost-friendly capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. They have dedicated professionals who understand the industry and are ready to customize a repayment plan catered to the athlete's situation and financial objectives. Their platform features no broker fees, a variety of repayment and pricing options, and no prepayment penalties. Whether you or your client are a professional athlete that is looking to invest or make a purchase without having to deplete their cash reserves or is simply needing a small bridge to support their cash flow through the remainder of the offseason, reach out to Balance Bridge and let them propose a solution for you. For more information, check out the description. Welcome to a Frugal Athlete Podcast, where we interview athletes, both current and former, on the prudent financial practices and smart career decisions they are making. In these episodes, we dive into what it means to be a frugal athlete. You might think that frugal just means being cheap, but as you will soon learn, being frugal is more complex than that. Hey, what's up? I'm Amobi Okugo, a.k.a. a frugal athlete. So check this out. We came out with an all-new, extensive, brand-new course. Our course, Rookie Mistakes, is a course that helps young athletes and individuals avoid the common mistakes when starting your career. I provide real-life examples, lessons, insights, all that and more to teach you how to identify the rookie mistakes before you make them. And trust me, I've made a lot. It's all about giving yourself the best foundation and head start to build financial and career stability. For more information or to get the course, check out the link in bio. Welcome to another episode of a Frugal Athlete Podcast. Today we got a very special guest, Chris Singleton, a former professional baseball player that was originally drafted with the Chicago Cubs. Now speaker and speaking coach, touring all around the world, top organizations, thousands, hundreds of thousands of students that he reaches on an annual basis. Wanted to reach out to Chris because speaking engagements is one way for athletes to, you know, figure out ways to expand uh, long after their career is over and even while their careers have started. So Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. Nah, I appreciate uh, you making the time. I'm sure you're getting a lot of requests, you know, since you started. So give us some context to, to you as a person. I know you got a, a wonderful story, an amazing story. Let's break down who Chris is. Yeah, man. So, um, you know, I, I always say former athlete, um, but I, I I feel like I still want to be an athlete, right, grinding, even though I'm not playing professionally any, anymore. But, you know, growing up, I had the dream of playing professional sports like a lot of kids do. Um, I was fortunate enough to be you know, pretty, pretty solid as a baseball player. Um, I worked my behind off, was able to play uh, mid-major division one, got drafted my junior year in college, the Cubs. But, you know, the, the reason why I speak has nothing to do with sports. Um, you know, long story short, my mother was, was murdered in a racially motivated mass shooting. And following that shooting, it gave me this mission of unity. Um, and that's what I speak about to different companies, different schools, uh, sports teams. I'm about to speak to the Texans coming up later on this month. Um, but yeah, that's that's the mission. That's the that's the uh, the story, I guess. And um, just trying to continue to do what I do. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I know reading your story and you sharing it, um, I definitely you know want to give my condolences. You know, no one, you can't really understand how to. Everyone says like, I know what you're feeling. It's like, no, you don't. Um, so uh, for you to go through that, and I don't want to say turn that pain into purpose. Um, but what was that like? Did you immediately retire, retire after, you know, you heard the news of the unfortunate passing of your mother? No. So I actually uh, was in college when that when that happened. And I basically just devoted my uh, rest of my college career to, you know, from my from my mom, my dad, my both of my parents passed away in college. 
and while I was in college. So I just devoted everything to them. Um, and so it became a driving factor behind me playing every single day. I wasn't just playing for myself. I was playing for a bigger purpose. And, um, you know, that kind of gave me an advantage over some people because, you know, whenever it was tough, whenever I didn't feel like training or whatever, it was like, it's not for me, though. It's for mm -hmm. them. Um, and that kind of gave me the, the, the edge. And I got released. When I got released from the Cubs, man, you know, a lot of people, a lot of athletes especially, um, they'll, you know, keep tracing the dream for super long. And for me, man, I knew what my purpose was. And that was to share this message that I have. Um, I was doing it while I was playing. And then when I got released, I said, you know what? I'm going to just go full throttle with this thing. And uh, God's blessed it thus far. No, that's amazing. So can you talk about that? Because obviously you turned that unfortunate passing of your parents um, to, to that purpose. A lot of athletes, they don't have that purpose while they're playing. They're just playing because they're good at it. They're playing to try to make money. Uh, so what advice would you have for athletes in terms of like trying to figure out other ways to you know find your purpose outside of your sport? Yeah, that's really good that you mentioned that. And, and most athletes, to be honest with you, most athletes, you ask them, hey, okay, you know, who are you? And they'll say, I'm Chris Singleton, I'm a baseball player, or I'm Chris Singleton, I'm a football player, right? They don't know who they are. They just know what yeah. they do. And so uh, it was really cool because this finally gave me a, a purpose in my life other than just playing sports. And uh, so that that's kind of how it changed for me. Some people love music, right? They say, you know, you know I'm, I'm Chris, I love music, I love you know, hanging out by the beach, right? I love serving people and I love, and I play baseball. Like that, that should be uh, what it, what it is instead of just saying what you do as an, as an athlete. But, you know, I think a lot of athletes miss out on opportunities of, you know, just whether it's speaking engagements or whatever it may be. But uh, after my mother was taken away, there was an E60 piece done, an ESPN documentary done on me and my mom. And that's kind of what pushed out uh, my, my story and my message out there. And so different organizations started asking me to speak and stuff. And I was like, man, I'm not doing that at first. But then I finally said, you know what, I'll do it. And uh, I haven't looked back. Uh, amazing. It's amazing. So you originally got released. And then, you know, a lot of times you talked about athletes trying to chase, like trying to chase what's out there, you know, another team, another opportunity. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You immediately transition to your purpose. Obviously, the ESPN doc came out. Did you have like an agent helping you when you decided like, all right, I'm going to do this? Did you like do it on your own? What's this like? Because the speaking engagement business is 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 real business. I, I'm, we're going to get into it as I'm, I, you're like an experienced person in the space. But what was that like for you initially? No, man, I, I went in green. I didn't I didn't know anything, bro. I didn't I didn't even know like people were paid to speak, to be honest. With you. <laughs> I didn't know none of that. Like I, I had no idea. But um, what happened was, you know, I got an opportunity. They said, hey, Chris, we want you to speak at this youth group down in Florida at this church. We'll give you a thousand bucks. And I was like, a thousand dollars to go speak down there? I was like, no way. And so I ended up doing it. And I was like, man, OK, this was, you know, the impact was there. I was able to, you know, make a little bit of money. And I said, man, this just feels good to be able to share my story and people get something from it. And so I said, you know, let's let's keep doing it. And uh, I started to reach out to different places and. I got some, you know, gigs here and there doing that, but it was really tough reaching out to people and them, them uh, accepting it and, let, and paying me to speak. And so I started just volunteering and sharing that way. And then uh, I, I finally started studying the business side of uh, speaking. And that's what kind of allowed me to get to a different space now. No, so let's talk about the business side, because, um, you know, you talked about that first that first youth group that in Florida and they offered it. So it wasn't like you had to do a negotiation around like, all right, this is how much I charged. I want to get flown out. This is what I want a videographer like the different, you know, tactics around speaking engagements. 
um, that I'm sure you're well accustomed to now. Uh, but talk about the speaking business. You know, how do you pitch? What do you represent? Like, what are you supposed to have in that pitch? Um, how do you set your rates, your prices, all that? Yeah, so for for an inexperienced speaker, right, or somebody that doesn't really have a, a name or following at all, um, I'd say you have to get a bunch of footage. You have to get footage of you speaking because if, you know, as soon as you hit somebody up, they're going to say, hey, well, you got anything I can show the, the decision maker? And if you don't, they're going to say, oh, okay, well, uh, you know, I don't know if we're, <laughs> we're having somebody this year or something like that. So I just got a bunch of footage at first. Um, and then when people started asking me, okay, what's your fee? I didn't have a fee structure. Now I have three different tiers. When I go to different schools and stuff, let's say I'm going to a school, I'll say, hey, my highest tier is 7,000. With the 7,000, I'll speak to the students, I'll speak to the staff, then I'll do a workshop one-on-one with the, with the, uh, with the most at-risk students is one, of my, is one of my tiers. So I'll set it up that way. Um, but I think everybody should have a rate for nonprofits or uh, churches. Uh, everybody should have a rate for schools. And then you should have a corporate rate. So my corporate rate is five figures. Like if I speak corporately in person, I'm going to ask for at least $10,000. Um, but that that's for more experienced speakers. But the going rate for speakers, man, is it, it depends on what industry you're in. But no, I definitely don't. I don't think people understand how much uh, you're able to make an impact and income from speaking. Um, I think my second year speaking, you know, I guess full time, I was able to make six figures. Um, back in 2018, just finally saying, you know what, I'm going to just go go for it. I'm going to uh, figure out what my niche is in speaking, right? What what my direct audience may be, because if you try to do a bunch of different things everywhere, then you're not really known for anything. And so yeah. I became the guy that speaks about unity, right? That is my mission. That is my message. And uh, different places wanted to, wanted to hear it. That's amazing. And then do you, now that you've like built out, you know, quite a, a following, how do you go about it now? Are you still doing the pitching or do you have like a, you know, an agent that's helping you? What is that process like? Yeah. So a lot of the, a lot of the myths out there is that once you get with an agency or a bureau, like you're going to be set. Well, unfortunately, like, you know, I'm probably listed with three agencies now, but almost none of them bring me gigs. They, they're basically there to filter out the gigs that you already have coming through your website. People asking you, Hey, what is this? What do you charge that? And so instead of me just, you know, sending out all that stuff like I used to, I just send them to my agency. Now, agencies take, you know, 30, 25, 20% of the fee. So let's say you, you charge 10 grand um, and you go to speak to a company or somewhere and they'll take, you know, 2,500 of that. So I also have a, a full-time employee that handles all my backend stuff with my t-shirts, my books and my, my contracts if I do it personally, just because I, I love the agencies, um, but if I can do everything in-house, sometimes it's a little bit smoother that way. If it's a college or something, I'll probably give that to one of my agencies. But the yeah, agencies are OK, but they're not needed to be successful, or, nor will they make you successful either. So to talk about it from the standpoint of athletes, I know I, I really liked your advice about picking like your niche or like your go to focal point when it comes to I speak about this uh, in your case, unity or for my case, you know, financial literacy and athletes, you know, maximizing their opportunity. How important is for athletes to do that? And from the standpoint of like the opportunity of athletes being able to become speaking uh, professionals. Man, it, it, it is always there for, for athletes to be speakers, right? You, I mean, you have former athletes right now that, that really can't speak at all, to be honest with you, but they're making 10, 15 grand every single talk. Um, now that doesn't mean that every athlete will get there, 
But I will tell you this, when I was playing in the minor leagues, I wasn't feeding my family from my minor league salary. I was making 1200 bucks a month, right? I was feeding my family from the speaking engagements I was doing in the off season. So I'd go in the off season and I'd make, you know, 40, 50 grand from speaking while I was still playing baseball during the season. Um, and so that's what I basically fed my family from because I was taking care of my brother, my sister, my wife, my son. And so I think athletes need to, in, you know, incorporate that into their, their branding and into their business, right? Uh, because at the end of the day, you, you have to take care of yourself and your family. So that's something that I, that I did. And, and I think a lot of athletes need to do it because it's out there, man. You, you, you go to you go to like the town, wherever hometown you're from. I guarantee if you're an athlete or a professional athlete, then they're, they're, they're going to want to hear you speak. They're going to hear want to hear your story, hear how you made it to whether it was college, whether it was professional. Like they want to hear that stuff. And they're able to pay for it. Yeah. So I want to change gears real quick, but you touched on something that's really important. You know, you talked about, you know, being a drafted to Chicago, playing for the minor leagues, taking care of your family, not only your immediate family, but your brother, your sister and extended family as well. You know, for an athlete, what advice do you have for them when it comes to, you know, taking care of their family? Some people want to go above and beyond and, you know, they find themselves drowning. Like, so what advice would you have in the sense of like, yeah, I'm taking care of my family, but I'm doing it within reason to make sure that they're good, but also that I can keep helping them over the course of many years to come. Yeah. So for me, man, both, you know, my parents passed away. And so I was 20, uh, 21 at the time, taking care of two teenagers, right? My brother and sister, they weren't 18. So it's not like they were grownups and I was taking care of now they were kids and I was taking care of them because, you know, I was only family that we have. And so in that instance, it was like, I, I had no choice now, but I even get hit up now by my uncles, like everybody's hitting me up. And my thing, my go-to is I heard somebody say this, they were like, before you give a family member uh, money for something, right? Ask them for a business plan. <laughs> and so it <laughs> filters out 95% of people that has not actually 99% of them ain't going to write up nothing, but the other, you know, 2% or 5% that actually do write something up out of the kindness of your heart, you're probably going to want to give them a thousand dollars or whatever it may be, or five, grand, whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, you, you'll want to do that then because you saw them put the work in. But the other people, out of, out of 100 people, 99 of them ain't going to write nothing up for you so you don't have to worry about it. And they don't have to look like a jerk. Uh, yeah. at, the, at the end of the day, like, if you're not doing well, then nobody's doing well. You know what That's I'm saying? True. So yeah. you got to make sure you're always uh, doing well for yourself and your immediate family and the other people. Help them out when you can, but try to get that business plan. That'll filter them out by itself. No, I love that. It goes down to the mantra, like pay yourself first and, you know, um, do all the homework beforehand. So like when the test comes, you, you know, you're ready for it. And then talk about the major league baseball, minor league baseball, minor league baseball is doing a great job of expanding or, you know, making noise around, you know, some of the benefits that they don't get. So what are your thoughts on that real quick? You know, being someone that's been drafted by, you know, top organization and have having played in the minor league. Yeah, man, it's it's funny because, you know, I I love the Cubs. I love, uh, you know, they, they signed me. They signed me for one hundred thousand dollars. Right. When I got signed, I got signed for one hundred thousand dollars. And, you know, to me as a kid, one hundred thousand dollars meant one hundred thousand dollars. Then I realized I only got sixty seven thousand out of that hundred thousand because Uncle Sam came in and he took his. Right. Yeah. And so I, I think for me, I always tell people the minor leagues is very, very tough to live off of. Right. You can't you really can't live off a of minor league salary because check this out. Let's say you're making, you know, I think the, the, the minor league salary now is $2,000 a month for single A. I think double A is $2,500, maybe triple A is $3,000, maybe $4,000. I don't know. But let's just say for single A, which I played, it was it's $2,000 now. It wasn't when I was, but right now it's $2,000. But you only get paid for seven months out of the year. So you don't get paid the full 12 months out of the year until the other five months. Like if you don't come from a wealthy family or didn't get a big signing bonus, you're working somewhere. 
it's tough, man. It, people ask me, do you miss playing baseball? I was like, even if I'm in double A right now, making 2,500 bucks a month or $3,000 a month for seven months, 21 grand. Like I got, I got a family. It's, it's tough to live off of that. So yeah. I definitely want people to get educated and figure out ways to make money for yourself and your family outside of just your sport. No, that's exactly right. You know, how can you use your sport to make money out in other ways? You talked about your off season, you're making 40, 50,000 just off speaking engagement. And now you've been able to build it into a six figure business. And what I love about what you've done is that you've built avenues off of that. So you've had you have children books, you have merch. Can you talk about that and how you built it into like a whole conglomerate? Of course, man. So I I literally didn't even write the books to be to be a business. I wrote the book one as a gift to my mom. Right. It was a gift to my mom, even though she's not here. It was a five year anniversary of her being killed. And I said, I want to do something that make me smile, not just be sad on that day. And, you know, funny enough, I think I, you know, put like took twelve thousand dollars of my own money. And I needed to sell a thousand copies basically to make my, own, my money back. Right. So I took 12,000 of my own money, told my wife, hey, this is a gift to my mom. If it flops, it flops. So what? We ended up selling 18,000 copies of that children's book, Amazing. like 18,000 copies. And that's something I could have never imagined happening. But if you make products and you are good to people and it's quality, it's going to do well. If you're, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Like if people know about it, if you're a good person with a good heart, and it's a good product, like it is going to do well. And so I didn't know it was going to do that well now, but it, it did well. And so for me, I then took, the, I literally bought a, an investment property cash because of that children's book. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. I just want to continue to keep, now I'm going to keep writing them. You know, I just sold 4,000 uh, copies of my next children's book called Your Life Matters. And I don't see it slowing down. It might not make, sell 10,000 copies every time, but, you know, 40, $50,000 every single year, uh, just for my children's books. It's not it's not bad at all. So I'm going to continue to keep keep yeah. doing that and keep learning the art of uh, writing and creating books. The great thing about products is that it's it's forever. You know, you might not be able to sell it as much as you like the first year, but second year, third year, fourth year it's always going to be there. Uh, do you have a preference between writing and speaking? Yeah, man, I, I, I'm a, there's there's two people. There's a, a writer that speaks. Right. And then there's a speaker that writes. I, I'm a speaker Ooh, that writes. That's a, that's a, that's a bar I, right I, I, I love speaking and that is my bread and butter. I feel like I've been you know called to do that. I feel like God's gifted me to do that. The art of communication. But I know that writing is a part of that process. Right. So yeah. um, I do it just because I, I like it and it's a product that I can have in, in, in my business. But no, speaking is definitely the, the thing. But you can't you can't speak everywhere. Right. Yeah. I speak probably 70 times a year and I can't I can't get everywhere. Yeah. So with that being said, you know, you talked about, you know, there's a lot of athletes that are good speakers, whether it's motivation, whether it's unity, whether it's diversity, inclusion, whether it's money management, whether it's basing adversity. Um, but there's a lot of athletes that don't know how to speak. You know, you talked about that. You know, we got the Ray Lewis of the world, the Inky Johnsons, you know, athletes that have turned speakers, the Chris Singletons. What advice, you know, what tricks of the trade when it comes to public speaking that, that we can learn? I, like I'm starting to get into this public speaking. I used to hate public speaking, but as I've built, you know, repertoire, done interviews, public uh, podcasts, different things like that, I've gotten better. But still, like what, like, if there's like a five-step program or five-step implementation strategy, what would that be? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I do coaching on stuff like this and I'll give you a couple of nuggets that I tell people when, whenever I, I coach them up in speaking. Well, well, number one, you have to know your speech. You never can say, Hey, I'm just going to go up there and wing it. Or like, I, you know, I didn't write anything. No, that's the worst thing you could ever do like that. That's setting yourself up for failure. And so I would literally practice my talks in front of the mirror until I knew them word for word. 
and, and it's not that it's not that I want to say everything word for word, but I wanted to just feel confident in knowing what I was going to say next. And so even now when I write my speeches, I don't have to write them out word for word because I feel so comfortable with the messages that I have and being able to transition. But I think every every speaker should or every person that wants to speak, when they write their speech, this is the format you'll do it. You'll go principle, story, application, principle, story, application. I'll write that, do that down for sure. Times. Yeah, dude, this is good. This is gold right here. You do that three times and you basically wrote your speech. So for instance, if I say principle, okay, MacBook is the best, uh, or Mac has the best, or Apple has the best computers. There are, right? Then story. You know, I, one time I was um, about to get on a podcast. My computer died. That was the last time I ever used Windows. Obviously, you, you try to create a great story because storytelling right. is the art of speaking. And then application. Uh, all of you guys should use Mac. Right. All of you guys get a MacBook Pro and in your life, you should be using Apple and nothing else. Like you have to have principal story application. You do that three times. You've created your speech. Now, the biggest thing when it comes to speaking. So hold on. Three times within the whole speech. So like you have like three different principal story applications within your speech. Yeah. So okay. let's, let's say, for instance, we're talking about branding. OK, <laughs> so I'll talk about branding. I'll give that that story, that principal story application about uh, Mac or Apple. Then I'll go Nike. And then I can go, um, you know, blue snowball or something, right? The yeah. mics, right? So I'll do that three times while talking about my overall message is branding. I'll do it three times with the principal story application. And then I close with an ending story or an ending quote that will tie everything together. An average keynote for a speaker that is, is a professional speaker, because we're talking about professional speaking, not just, you know, public speaking. It's different. Yeah. The professional speaking is when people get paid to speak, right? They're speaking at conferences or they're keynote speakers. Um, th those are those are professional speakers. Public speakers are more like the mayor comes in and speaks a lot. You know, maybe a principal of a high school speaks a lot because, he, you know, he's a, he's a leader. There's a difference. And so I think you want to make sure we're professionally speaking, not just public speaking, you know? Um, so pro professional speakers need to have a keynote speech that's about 45 minutes to an hour. If you want to get paid a significant amount of money, such as, you know, 5,000 or let's say 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, up to 10,000, 20 to 50,000, right? You need to have a keynote that'll be from at least 45 minutes to an hour um, when, when you're speaking professionally. No, that's a game changer. I love what you said about professional versus public because everyone thinks, oh, I'm a public speaker. No, there's a difference. You know, I'm a professional speaker. I This is what I do. In your case, it's unity, you know, racial inequality. And it's like, if you want to get this, this is what I'm going to give you. Public is like, all right, I'm doing like an appearance or something like that. There's a difference between that. And then obviously there's different nuances into how you perform and prepare for that. Um, from the standpoint of coaching, you know, I, I love it because, you know, we talked about, you know, your professional speaking career, your books, your merch. Now you're doing coaching. Talk about that. And from a business standpoint, like the logistics around that. Yeah, man, I appreciate you, you know, you know, talking about that. This is something new, man. And the reason why I started it is because, you know, I literally I started speaking back in 2016. Um, but I mean, 2017. I kind of started going full throttle in the offseason. 2018 was a year I basically was able to do uh, six figures. And so for me, I said, okay, everything I've learned, how can I share that with people? Because I love sharing it. I can, I, I can share it all day, every day. But I want to put it in a structure where it's beneficial for them. And my wife ain't going to get mad at me because I'm always <laughs> talking to somebody about it, you know? So um, right now, I think I have like nine clients and it's, it's not that much right now, man. It, I just wanted to see if I wanted to do it to see if I wanted to, if something I wanted to, you know, continue. I, I hate, I hate to cut you off though, but nine is a lot. If you consider, I'm, I'm not sure about your price points. We don't really have to get into that, but you know, if you have nine clients at 
whatever amount, you know, you can have a little six figure business just off coaching alone. So um, I think it's great that you, you know, you, you've expanded into the coaching space to share your experience, you know, not only as an athlete, not only as someone that's gone through a plethora of different experiences that people can't relate to or can relate to. And then now you're doing it from the speaking standpoint, you know, so I just want to give you, you know, your credit on that standpoint. Oh, um, sorry. I just had to say that. No, I, pre- I appreciate it, man. But, you know, I want to keep growing it. I want to grow it to having 50 different people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and right now it's kind of, it's one-on-one. I want, but I, what I want to do is create a video course and then offer the video course and then also offer the one-on-one as a, as a separate thing or as a combination, just to make sure it's, it's worth my time doing it and, and make sure I can pour out to people and feel like they're getting the best value by doing both. So yeah, that's probably what's next for me, man. And I want to, my goal is to be able to impact 50 people 2021. So I'm at nine, I got, I need 41 more people. And so uh, it's been going well, but I definitely need to turn it up a notch. Perfect. So in terms of if, if people wanted to reach out after they listen to this podcast, where can they, you know, reach out to? Is it more private referral based or can they just like no, they cold can- call? Yeah, no, they can uh, go to chrissingleton.com and uh, there's a coaching tab on my website. And the coaching tab is where I'll figure out if it's something that they truly want to do and want to invest in. And then uh, going from there, that's how we do the, the four week coaching program. Oh, perfect. I love that. Yeah, we're going to have all his information in the show notes, you know, his books, his, his website. And if you want his coaching courses available for sure. One thing I wanted to ask you again is like you talked about the three tiers corporate. What was the middle one? And then nonprofit. Corporate schools slash universities and non, then nonprofits. Nice. So in terms of your tier strategy, is was that intentional because of the budgets that they offer or just because of how you go about your business? Yeah, for sure. No, corporate, man, they they have funds to be able to spend, right? They, they can have a little bit more money than church. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, uh-huh. So, you know, you go corporately, that'll probably be your highest tier. Um, schools have budgets, uh, depending on what you come and speak about. And then... Uh, I actually sometimes with nonprofits, man, if I believe in a nonprofit, I don't charge them. I probably do, you know, 15 or so unpaid engagements or maybe more that are for nonprofits that I believe in their message. I actually just did a, a one this past weekend um, where it was a nonprofit and I believe in their message. So I said, you know what? I know you guys are trying to find some funds to pay me, but don't worry about it. Like, I believe in what you guys are doing. So I really speak probably 80, 90 times, but I don't really count the other ones that I don't get paid for. Oh, that's crazy. So um, obviously COVID happened last year um, and I know a lot of people were affected. How did you have to adjust your business? Like, was it virtual or you kind of just put it on hold and, you know, built out other portions of your business? What was that like, you know, adjusting to the circumstances that everyone had to um, do? Yeah, man, that's a good question. I was super fortunate um, that, you know, over the last like two and a half years, I've been able to make like half a million dollars from speaking because of my virtual stuff that I do now. And so, whereas before it was like, Hey, I'll come in person and this is my fee. Right. Then it became, Hey, I'll cut my fee in half and we'll do it virtually. And then I could do two or three of those in a day and not have to worry about travel not have to worry about anything else. And so things have just literally escalated, um, in 2020 because I did the whole virtual thing. I probably did like 54 virtual engagements last year. Um, over the course of how do you like how do you engage the the audience you know differently from a virtual standpoint you have to be passionate man if you're not passionate about what you're speaking about you're gonna you're gonna easily burn out right you Mm -hmm. will easily burn out because i've been in universities where 
you know, there's six people that actually are listening to me speak. I flew out to Michigan, all the way out to Michigan. I flew, I'm in South Carolina, I flew out of Michigan and there's six students that are going to hear me speak, right? And so yeah. if, if your ego is there, if you're not in it for your for the, for the message, you're just in it for, you know, the applause, you're going to burn out and not want to do it anymore. So for me, whether I had 15 people on the Zoom, whether I had 3,000 people on the Zoom or the uh, Microsoft Teams, whatever it was, like, I just was me. I was passionate about what I'm speaking about. At the end of the day, man, it's it's just sowing seed, man. That's all we're doing. We're, we're, we're spreading seed and hoping that, um, you know, there'll be a harvest or somebody will change their perspective of their life because of our message. No, that's what it's all about. And then lastly, you know, I don't want to take up too much time, but from a negotiation standpoint, has there been a time when you had to kind of go back and forth? Like you have your budget and then they have their budget. What are some tricks of the trade? Because I remember this last speaking engagement that I was negotiating with, it was probably my first time like at this budget. So I, I didn't want to go too high where it like ran them away, but I didn't want to go too low where it was like, you know what, it's not really worth it. So I kind of like was trying to play chicken and the egg, chicken and the egg. And I was like, once I said my price and the, the lady came back, she said, oh yeah, we can do that easily. I was like, damn, I should have went higher. So uh, what tricks of the trade do you uh, have when it comes to negotiating? Yeah, man. And that will never stop, to be honest, because, you know, people always want to feel like they're getting a deal, right? Uh -huh. So let's say I'm speaking somewhere for 12000 right? If I say, hey, I'll come there for 15000 and they say, oh, well, can you do twelve? Yeah, I can do twelve. I was going to do twelve <laughs> the whole time, you know. So, yeah. Uh, one thing that I always do is, man, because you want to cut people a, a deal. Like I always try to help people out. I try to throw in free books. I try to throw in free merch. Um, and so instead of scaring somebody off, like what I do negotiating is, hey, this is my fee. Let's just say I'm, you know, going to a school. They, you know, let's just say I, my fee is five grand at a school, right? Hey, this is my fee, five grand. Um, ah, man, Chris, you know, we can't, we don't have that budget. Okay. Well, is there any chance you have a budget for some books? Maybe we could throw that in to make it five grand or do you, you know what? Maybe I could just, uh, also speak to the football team or speak to the something team and the PTA yeah. could cover the other, like you try to do as much as you can to add value because you're really giving, if I say I'm speaking for five grand, I know I'm speaking, I'm worth, I'm going to give you at least $10,000 worth of value. Yeah. Um, and so just continue to add value. And at the end of the day, like, because I'm in it for the mission. If it's if a school says, Chris, we only have a thousand dollars, right? And it's not in you know the middle of nowhere, and I won't be away from my family for too long. Man, I, I try to work with people. Now I can't, I can't, I can't do too much of that because you know my fee is my fee. And I never want to, you know, make somebody feel like they're they got gypped because this other school got it for so cheap. But if it's my mission field, man, I try to help people out. So yeah, you you definitely have to. Nego negotiate for sure but i don't even do that anymore i have my uh my me personal too. assistant do that for me now yeah oh, that's what it's all about so any uh, any anything else as it pertains to athletes i know you know you're an athlete now you're a professional speaker i know you talked about you know one of your go-to quotes is like plan for the future but don't hate now you know everyone wants to know what see what they can aspire to be but embrace the present moment um, how do you translate that to like a financial literacy money management perspective? Yeah, man. So I, I struggle with this, right? I'm in a place now where I'm like, okay, well, I'm I'm so young. I'm 25. Um, I've been able to be super successful financially on the 1% of my age group, right? Making multiple six figures every year. And so I'm thinking now, okay, well, I'm in a space where I could, you know, buy my dream home, a 5,000, 6,000 square foot house. Um, that's cost a ton of money. But I always gave myself a goal. I said, before I buy my next house, I need to have 10 rentals, right? 
10 mm-hmm. rental properties and those 10 rental properties will fund my mortgage on my dream house. And so right now, the way that I fund my uh, mortgage on my house right now is because I have other rental properties. Like my mortgage is just, is two grand. I'm, I'm okay with saying what my mortgage is. I'm, I'm not weird with money. I think, you know, I always share, you know, probably too much, but yeah. mortgage is two grand and my rental properties right now cover my mortgage. And I said, for me to be able to spend money and enjoy whatever it is now, I need to have something that's going to also benefit me for the future. Um, so that's kind of the, my rule of thumb. Um, if I'm buying something, let's say I'm buying a car, I want to buy it cash. I don't, you know, I, and I just love business. Like I love, yeah. I love learning about finances. I love learning about things I didn't know about. I had to, my first year using a SEP IRA. Um, like I just, there's so many things I'm learning as I'm going forward. Um, that I love teaching my friends. I got all my friends investing in their individual retirement account now. They got Roth IRAs. That's what it's all about. Know, I'm like, bro, I know y'all not, don't have, you know, what you want to have or make what you want to make yet, but you can you can throw $20 in there every month. You ain't even going, that's two trips to, you know, to, to wherever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> that's, like, two, could, that's two Chipotle burritos. You exactly. Good. Two Chipotle burritos, right? That's two beers or something mm-hmm. like, you know what I'm saying? Just, yeah. And I got my friends doing it. And so the financial literacy piece is huge for me and my family because, you know, when you, you know, I had to grow up early, man. I, I had to grow up at 18 and, and really be taking care of two teenagers at 18. So yeah. I had no choice. No, I think I, I love what you said about the as a quote that I, I like to use, like make money by income. So, you know, you're you, you're investing in these assets that are taking care of the things that you want to have, you know, later down the road or immediately. Um, and I think it's really important from that standpoint. Is Bro, there anything? Let me let me let me also no, piggyback on that because I heard this on this is on a TikTok too. Dude said he was like he don't he doesn't buy his uh, cars cash. He said he could because I used to buy my cars cash. Because I'm like, man, I don't want to have a car note. But he says yeah. I don't buy my cars cash. He says I what I do is I'll buy a building that'll pay for my car note. He said <laughs> well, then. <laughs> Every single month, the cash flow that I have from that building not only pays my car note, but I have money back in my pocket and I could just lease my car. She's like, you know what? I could have a $3,000 a month lease on a car, which is super expensive. I couldn't even imagine paying three grand a month for a car lease. But he's saying I, I, I buy my building, my building then pays for my car. Then I have extra money in my pocket. And every single year I know that car is paid for. Why? Because I have this building. I can get a new one, new lease. And guess what? It's still paid for because I got this building. And so that that just different line of thinking definitely helps out when you, when you want to talk about having stuff now. Yeah, you can have it. Just make sure something else is paying for it. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a great point. And and for the folks that are listening, it's like, oh, well, I don't I don't have enough money to buy a building. Well, yeah, that might be the case, but there's other ways to do it. You know, you bro, let me the- let me tell you the game. This is the game. You don't have to. Number one, you don't have to have a ton of money to make money in real estate. There's something called wholesaling you can do to make money. Well, so you- you're you're big on real estate. Oh, bro, this is my okay. that's my thing. All right, respect. Yeah, that's that's my thing. But there's there's a different bunch of different ways you can do it. Um, but having the knowledge, people will pay you to find a deal, right? Mm-hmm. If you do the work, people will pay you. Like I'm I'm looking for people to buy deals from, and they don't have to have any money. They can make fifteen thousand dollars off of just giving me one good investment. So if you find the good investments, you don't have to come for money to make money. I, you know, my I got my house foreclosed on right when my mother was killed. I only made probably one hundred and thirty grand from playing professional baseball. But now I do extremely well because I'm so focused on being business-minded and learning every single day. I love YouTube. I'm on YouTube all the time learning about stuff, man. Uh, that's what it's all about. I, yeah, I, and I take that and I just, I don't just talk it. I actually do the things and they work. And so that's where I'm able to be where I'm at now. 
No, that's what it's all about, like learning from the right resources and, you know, uh, and ha building the right team around you to make sure that you're doing the right thing. When it comes to like, you know, you talked about, you know, every, I feel like everything happens so fast for you. But, you know, that initial contract, is there anything that you wish you would have learned financially that you do know now when it comes to, you know, your, your money management? Yeah, I wish I would have bought a, a four building a, a quadruplex with my with my money at first. Right. Yeah. I wish I would have bought a four family house so I could live in one and rent the other three out um, with an FHA loan um, because I only had to put three and a half percent down. But I didn't do that. I just went and buy my house, you know, bought it for yeah. my family. I didn't buy. I mean, I bought a decent house. It was four bedrooms, but I needed that for my for my big family. But I wish I would have just said, you know what, we'll wait for two years before we do that. And then buy an investment first that'll pay off in the long run instead of just buying something for myself. So I wish I would have done that. And I wish I would have just used the leverage that I had as a professional athlete even more at that time. Right. As mm -hmm. a current professional athlete, man, you you have so much clout. <laughs> yeah, in fact, you got clout, so yeah. clout that you can use for your for your advantage, um, whether it's doing different camps. I did a camp. Right. I tell every single professional athlete, man, I don't care if everybody knows you or nobody knows you. You could have a, a, a camp in your hometown and you can charge 100 bucks a person. Right. You can get 50 people out there and you can get people to sponsor it. These companies, because what? You're a professional athlete. Right. Yeah. I never made it to the big leagues. I never made it. Got a big league contract. But because I'm a, I was a professional athlete, I can have a camp. I can do this and people will support it. So we got we got to be stop, we got to stop being so scared to do things and just make it happen, bro. Just go for it. Worst thing that happens is 10 kids show up. Okay, so what? You can have yeah. invite another twenty and say you do it for free. Exactly. No, I, I really appreciate that. Uh, for the folks that may want to, you know, follow up with you, how can they find you? Appreciate you coming on to the the show. You know, I learned a lot. I'm definitely gonna follow up with you. You know, just from the principal story application standpoint, like that that alone is enough for the podcast. And then you got the the tiers strategies, and then hearing your story, uh, I think it's all amazing. So, Chris, best of luck as you continue to change lives and change organizations and change the culture around, you know, not only unity, but, you know, self-awareness. So I appreciate you coming on. Um, but yeah, for the audience that may want to connect with you, how can they, how, how can they tap in? Yeah, man, they can tap in. I got uh, all the social medias. Uh, C Singleton underscore two is my social medias. Um, I think all of them are verified. Uh, so yeah, just tap, tap in with me there. If not, then my, my website is chrissingleton.com and they can find all my coaching stuff there. Perfect. And last question, I forgot to ask you, I got to ask you, branding. Obviously, you're on all the social media platforms. You have a great following on different social media channels. Has How have you used branding to help you um, with your with your business? Bro, it's, it's huge, man. I, I, two years ago, I said, I want to make sure I post at least three times a week um, on every every platform. Um, and so that's, that's not a ton, but that was where I was at two years ago. Um, and so I just consistency is key with that stuff. When you put out good, consistent, quality content, um, people will see, you know, see you a lot. You'll be visible. And number two, they'll know what you're offering because you can be a great speaker. If nobody knows you speak, then, hey, nobody's going to book you or they're not even going to think about yeah. booking you because nobody knows you speak. So I constantly put stuff out there. And uh, now people know me as, you know, speaker. And I got the clothing brand, love your neighbor brand. Like people know me of those of those two things because. I push them out so much. Then they're like, oh, yeah. And Chris used to play professional baseball. I don't really brand myself on the former athlete. I brand myself on the speaker and the yeah. love brand with the books uh, because that's where I want people to go. So I branded myself as that.
No, I love that consistency and being intentional. That's what it's all about. Thanks again, Chris. Um, for the audience, please make sure you listen. Uh, please rate, review. It helps us get wonderful guests on the show like Chris himself. So that's it for this week. And we'll see you guys soon. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode. For more information, check out the show notes and go to our website, www.afruitglass.com. If you enjoyed, please leave a favorable rating and review and share and subscribe. Thank you so much.